welcome to a really late episode of Talking About Movies. And stuff. How's everyone doing today? Zach, John, how are you boys? I'm doing good. Doing all right. You're really sticking with that intro, though. Yes, I am. I've, I've even oh, st- is that what he's been doing? <laughs> yeah, I've, since the first episode, I have just stuck with it. It's now the thing. Okay. Uh, I've even introduced it over to a terrible football show, but this time it's like me and... Oh, Todd. yeah, no, I heard that. Y'all yeah. do it together. Yeah, we all do it together. It's a great time. It sets the mood. Uh, but like I said, this is a very late episode of talking about movies and stuff. Now, now, granted, while we've always said that don't have a lot of high expectations for this show, that is true. Spider-Man No Way Home is like the one exception of where we kind of wanted to get it out within the first like 24 to 48 hours. And here we are like three or four weeks later. Almost a month later. Hey, at least it's finally getting done. Or we're just gonna, have to, yeah, we're here to chat about it. You know, if you, if you're new to talking about movies and stuff, uh, then just know that this is completely spoilers. I, and I, you know, most people should have already seen the movie by now. Um, so if you're here, you've probably already seen it. Uh, you just happen to be a fan of us and you want to hear our opinions, or you just happen to stumble upon this review in some capacity. Uh, if you have not seen it and you don't like spoilers, you need to leave. I'll go ahead and say it up front because we will not dodge anything on the spoiler aspect of things. Not in the slightest bit. No, no, we do not care because of how low on the totem pole this show is for us. <laughs> we do not care. Full spoilers. Uh, so, yes, Spider-Man No Way Home, first and foremost, it is doing absolutely phenomenal at the box office, as, oh, we, as, yeah. we, as we would expect. Um, just before we really jump into, like, the general plot, uh, boys, what, what's kind of your first immediate thoughts and takeaways from this movie? Just, like, quick thoughts before we really dive into the plot here. I've seen the movie four times. I fucking love it. I, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's, the, you know, the best Spider-Man film that we've had. I think it's probably the best MCU movie. Still in debate on that one. Uh, but I do think it's the best Spider-Man film. But Well, just general thoughts before we jump into the plot. I mean, it is definitely by far the best Spider-Man film we've gotten. I'll agree with that. As for MCU, that's questionable, but I do think it does set a very high bar for what we can expect from solo movies going into, what, it's phase three currently? Of four. Is it phase four yeah, now? We're, yeah, we're phase four. Yeah, going into phase four for solo movies, because <clears throat> in phase three, a lot of solo movies were starting to become um, team-up movies rather than just a solo movie. Right, right. John, what about you? It's nice to see that we can actually get a good ending to a trilogy in uh in the MCU. That's actually a very very fair critique honestly to say that. Like, yeah. Cuz I mean most trilogies kind of in meh <laughs> as we've seen so far. It, so yeah. that is actually a very very fair point. The other like good trilogy movie was uh, Thor Ragnarok. But <laughs> other than that they've all been kind of meh. And it's it's nice to see that okay maybe the maybe the as they get further with the characters sometimes they will do good it like movies beyond like the first one or the second one yeah that is true because when it comes to the trilogies that we've gotten um, you know not obviously counting Avengers because its third movie was split into two completely different movies um, you know Iron Man three is considered the worst of the three Iron Mans well debatable Some, a lot of people hate Iron Man 2 yeah Iron Man 2 was uh, pretty up there but uh, I actually think Iron Man 3 is very underrated um, but I do acknowledge that it, it is a kind of a flop of an of a end of a trilogy yeah. uh, Civil War while it's a great movie it wasn't a Captain America film <laughs> it wasn't a Captain America film and when it comes to the Thor movies I'll, I'll die on my hill that Thor 1 is absolutely the worst of the three uh, I'd rather watch Dark World any day but Thor Ragnarok was like John just said a perfect cap off to that trilogy because Thor Ragnarok was absolutely fantastic so with Spider-Man No Way Home I mean John's right this is uh, you know this this is good to see that you know number one all three movies of the trilogy are all very good movies with some critiques obviously that all yeah. three have but also just an a an actual like feel good ending to this film uh you know feel good ending to really cap off you know this trilogy because like the big difference between every other trilogy that we've gotten iron man 3 um you know civil war and ragnarok is this one really does feel like the closing of a book it really does because this is like the end of the high school peter parker that we have now seen over multiple films mm-hmm. uh and now going into you know a, you know from everything that we've seen there is a fourth spider-man originally there was reports you know there was originally the news that amy pascal put out john and i talked about it there was supposed to be a new spider-man trilogy 
But then she immediately backpedaled on that. Yeah. Immediately afterwards, after she said that. And then they then her and Kevin is just like, we're working on a fourth right now. So we know a fourth's coming. Uh, assuming, obviously, it's going to be based on a college Peter Parker. So this one really did feel like the closing of a book. Yeah, it was sort of funny how quickly that went from, yeah, three new films to... Uh... Well, we got one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that fourth one goes. And maybe... Uh, Tom Holland will still want to do Spider-Man for a couple more years. I, I can't see him leaving the role anytime soon. I really can't. Well, I mean, there was an interview with him saying that if he's still doing Spider-Man at when he's like 30, he's done something wrong with his career. I did from see him, that he said From that, him yeah. personally. <laughs> I, I, I personally just think those sort of uh, comments that uh, people that actors will make, for the most part, I feel like it's just because they kind of have to, you know, per the PR, you know, because of how strict like Disney and Marvel is with stuff. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there are a few exceptions where it's like, I feel like, you know, anytime, you know, you know, um, uh, Chris Evans would talk about it. It was very clear his, you know, his feelings on it because yeah. he had always been very open. It's just like, they wanted me for nine pictures. I didn't want to do it because it's a big commitment. We dropped it down to six. I signed, you know, so he's always been open about that. That was from the, literally the first fucking movie. Yeah. But in Tom's case, I, I feel like it's just cause he's got to, I, I don't see him leaving anytime soon. I mean, uh, then you got to look at Robert Downey Jr. He, I mean, yeah. he finally got himself killed off as Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. I think for Spider-Man and Tom Holland, I think we will see another trilogy and a few more like Avengers-esque films, and then I think we will see something happen to Tom Holland's Peter Parker that will cause him to exit the picture. But uh, I think that's about as far as it goes. I, I just I, I can't see it just ending with a fourth film, personally. I mean, I don't either, but you never know. True. The only thing I can be sure of in the MCU, Paul Rudd will always be Ant-Man. That, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> which John is, which John's always going to be for that. I'm ha- I'm fine with that too. Just because Paul Rudd's Paul Rudd, he's just like, sure, I'll do another film. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. You know, hey, look at us, look at us. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, for this film, man, dude, there was so much, there was so much hype, so many rumors, so many leaks leading mm-hmm. up to this film, and obviously, you know, everyone knows by now because now it's open knowledge where you know because one, the film's out, and two, the people are actually talking about it. Yeah. The return of Toby, the return of Andrew as their versions of Peter Parker which is absolutely awesome. Andrew Garfield, the MVP of dodging the Spider-Man question for years. Uh, dude, he deserves an Oscar after what he had to go through this past year. Toby managed to actually dodge it because Toby doesn't do interviews because he hasn't acted since The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Unless you want to count Boss Baby where he narrated, but we're not counting that. Uh, so he hasn't acted since The Great Gatsby in like 2013, so this dude is completely off the you know any sort of press tour. Meanwhile, Andrew's over here trying to promote Tick, Tick, Boom. Great movie, by the way. And he's having to answer consistent questions. So give this man a fucking Oscar. He, he had to dodge so many fucking questions. Um, did you guys see uh, Andrew's comments about the premiere? No. Okay, I thought it was really funny. Him and Toby snuck into a theater together at one of the <laughs> premieres. They had like hats on and they had like their mask on. No one knew it was them. That's funny. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty comedic. But no, a- Andrew's comments on the whole on the whole thing was pretty cool. Where he's just like, you know, I'm over here, like, you know, I'm. He's like, I'm like the middle brother, like in awe of my older brother, my Spider-Man idol, Tobey Maguire, but then also wanted to protect my younger brother with the perfect Spider-Man of Tom Holland, you know. So it, it, it was, it was, it was some pretty cool comments. Then he leaves, he does leave the door open because there's obviously been a lot of talk, you know, that the fans are putting out there to make an amazing Spider-Man three, where he's just like, you know, never say never, but he's like, it's got to feel right, it's got to feel right for the character. So who knows? Could see Andrew come back in more capacity as Spider-Man. I personally think we'll probably see him. Again, I think I think we'll at least see Andrew Toby is a big question mark. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and that was a big moment in the film was was the reveal. I mean, I know all three of us were aware of it, but it was still interesting, very f- fulfilling to see it in the film and hear other people's reaction in the theater of gasping and clapping. I was just like, it's exciting for me, but I'm not personally that excited. <laughs> oh, I was very very excited, very excited. Uh, and all four times that I saw the movie, every time it was the same way. Uh, you know, it, it was just a huge pop. Even the fourth time that I saw the theater was probably about like half packed because mm-hmm. I went to the tavern and once they reopened after the incident that happened, uh, they went back to like uh, like COVID policy for spacing. Okay. Yeah. So like you know there was like two chairs in between you know whatever chairs that you would purchase. Uh, but even with that, so it is like uh, not as as packed with theater. There was still a fucking loud ass pop. Uh, so, I mean, in that, that's always the cool things about like these epic moments in the MCU movies is those pops where it's just like, you know, 
every once in a while you'll find yourself maybe looking up like on YouTube, like theater reaction for this because yeah. it, it's just, it's surreal, especially when, if you can say you got to experience it in person. Um, but going like talking about the plot, you know, obviously picks up right where the previous movie left off mm-hmm. with uh, Mysterio revealing his identity and basically everything going to the, going to shit show about it. Um, you know, shout out to Charlie Cox surprising his roles, uh, Matt Murdock and daredevil. Mm-hmm. That was that was a that very was a, that was a nice cameo. Very nice cameo. I'm excited to see the future for Daredevil in this MCU, especially since the same actor that played Kingpin came back as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in Hawkeye. Oh, okay. He first appeared episode the I think like the end of episode five, and then he's in episode six. Which, by the way, going to go ahead and spoil this for all viewers only. Kingpin's not dead. Just for the record, he's not. Like, literally how they ended Hawkeye episode six with him, like, it's like an off-screen where he gets shot, is literally shot for shot for the comics. Same person, same sort of vibe where she shoots Kingpin in the head and he's still alive. So just a little spoiler there, he's not dead. So looking forward to the future of both Daredevil and Kingpin there. Uh, But, yeah, that was a very nice little cameo of Charlie Cox. That got a very good pop in the theater all four times that I went. That was pretty dope. Um, You know, when it comes to, you know, his basically Peter's life being completely ruined, you know, uh, he's, they're basically getting cucked out of the, you know, the school stuff, essentially, you know, yeah. you know, schools are wanting to cuck them on things, uh, which is what prompted him to, you know, go to Dr. Strange and propose the big question that we saw in all the trailers and shit. And I got to say, I fucking love Strange's response whenever, you know, he, you know, Peter, you know, acknowledges that he didn't even bother to try to plead his case. Yeah. When Strange <laughs> goes, did you plead your case? I can plead my case. I can do that. You came for a magic spell <laughs> without even going through all. It was, it was very funny. It was very well done seeing that. I mean, and again, this was a solo film, and the bit of strange we did got was very well done. He wasn't overly um, in your face, like in your in face. The film. Yeah. Like some of the other cameos we've got in mm-hmm. uh, co spotlights in films. But he was very part, he was part of the film, but he wasn't a main focus of it. But he was there enough to like. Strange had some effect, <laughs> right? Right. And speaking of speaking of kind of that moment when he's like, he's, he's like, "Did you plead your case?" This film did a great job of taking like little moments like that and make just like these extremely relatable like moments throughout it, where it's like, "Yeah, yeah, I can, I can totally, I can totally see why you wouldn't even." Like, you, why you wouldn't think to plead your case to it. No one else <laughs> you can do that. That's that's yeah. true. Very, very relatable because it's just like a heat of the moment sort of situation. You know, your world's falling apart around and you don't even think to do one common thing. <laughs> Which I feel like with that, um, you know, and just other aspects of the film, I feel like uh, one thing that this film did really well at was truly, even more so than it already was, really cementing Tom Holland as Peter Parker. Just it's little stuff like that throughout the entire film where it, cause like for years up until this film, it's always been like, Oh, Toby's like, a, you know, like the best Peter, which I, I disagree with by the way. Uh, Andrew's like the best Spider-Man. Tom is a, is a great mix of both making him uh, like a perfect Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, now after this film, everyone is saying, Oh no, Tom's not the MCU Spider-Man. He's Spider-Man period. Do you guys kind of feel like this film did the same thing? Wait, who do you think is the better Peter? Uh, the Peter, the Peter one is very debatable, but I don't think it's Toby. I think Toby, Toby in both regards, is the worst of the three. I'll say it up front. You don't think Andrew is the best Peter Parker, do you? No. Okay, I, was pretty, say, I, I feel like it's Tom. I, would I feel like it's Tom. Well, up until this movie, I would have, I would disagree with you a hundred percent. Because we, it's like he's shown as Peter for very little of the previous films. It's, mm-hmm. ju- it's mostly used as a like him, a kind of like little plot points to get him into the suit. Whereas this one, spent a decent amount of time just running around as, as Peter. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say uh, Tom Holland is definitely a lot more. F- focal now as a Peter because I agree with John on that like the previous films he wasn't Peter a whole lot he was mostly I mean the first film he was Peter a lot more but it was mostly focused on him doing Spider-Man things rather than Peter things Mm -hmm. 
So this yeah. one allowed him really shine as in the role of Peter and definitely elevated him on there. Um, I mean, I'm still going to th- always think of him as MC uh, Spider-Man just because I've seen all the Spider-Man films, so I have to differentiate through them. But overall, he's, in my book, probably the best out of three, personally. Yeah, I would say that I would say that after this movie, I would I'm leaning more towards Tom being the best overall Spider-Man in all aspects, like Peter and Spider-Man, just the whole yeah. whole. Th- I got you. It's like over, like I can agree based with that. on how this one did. As long as as long as in the fourth one, it kind of keeps it's a similar vibe where where it's not like entirely Spider-Man. We actually get to see him being Peter in a believable Peter sense and just kind of like doing, going out, doing his thing. Then that, that would probably bring like cement it for me. But like I said, right now I'm kind of leaning that way because this one did a lot to actually, actually bring his character forward. Honestly, for me, this film actually did a lot more to make me like Andrew Garfield's, uh, Spider-Man and Peter more. I've been dying. Oh, yeah. I, I will die on this hill. I've I've been dying on it since 2014. I mean, I enjoy the Ultimate Spider-Man films, but I mean, I just didn't get attached to Andrew's uh, acting of it personally. Those movies are like horribly underrated. Horribly. Okay. okay. All right. The second one's not a movie. It's a collection of random scenes that with EDM in like- the background. <laughs> John, you I cannot, want you. You cannot watch that and tell me that's a cohesive movie. John, I want you to do me a favor, okay? I, I don't, I don't ask this much out of you boys. You are also speaking to one of the few people that is a big fan of Andrew Garfield's like portrayal in those movies. I'm a huge fan of him in those movies, but they are not good movies. I'm gonna have to viciously disagree with you, but the you favor, can do that. The yes. favor that I'm going to ask you is sometime after this episode, I will be doing a Spider-Man movie tier listing. Here we go. And, I, John, I ask that you please watch that. I would appreciate it because I am going to viciously defend those movies. Viciously. You're just going to get a bunch of triggered messages. Good. That's what I want. It's okay. All I've, I've heard your bad opinions plenty. <laughs> what, with Mass Effect? <laughs> Though just in general, <laughs> <laughs> just wait. I I will bring up a ton of legitimate points to defend these movies, especially one of especially one of the one of the two. Well, moving on with so what so you got, John. Can't just be actors. Can you can't bring actors in as a good point? Oh no, there's. I have a lot more than that. Trust me, I have already made a fucking list. Okay, I am ready to go to war. Well, I'm going to cut this off right here. So Probably m- smart, because this m- is going to go on for a while. Move it on for the three Spider-Mans interacting. What did y'all each feel about how uh, each of the villains reprised their roles in this film? Okay, great question. Um, so the one thing that I massively took away, and I was talking to Diaz about this as well, because Diaz has always been like a diehard like, Spider-Man 2 Doc Ock supporter, which is totally fair, by the way. Phenomenal portrayal. So one question that I proposed to him is like, do you feel like with both of them coming back in this film, do you still believe Doc Ock is the best Spider-Man villain portrayal we've ever had, or would you give it to William Defoe now uh, as Green Goblin? Because in my opinion, I would give it to Green Goblin now with William Defoe. Because I feel you know this movie, it's it's obviously very clearly set up where this is a Green Goblin focused film, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like what we got out of this film between the Goblin and Spider-Man from their fight at the apartment building to their fight uh, at the Statue of Liberty. I feel like this is the almost like true on-screen Spider-Man Goblin rivalry that I that I wish we could have gotten because when it comes to the Goblin, like the Goblin is like I know a lot of people immediately want to turn to like Venom for example because of Venom's popularity, but Goblin is considered like the main oh, yeah. villain to Spider-Man, like that's his rival, like, yeah. you know, like a Sonic the Shadow sort of thing, right? Just the first thing I thought of. I apologize. Um, you know, so a lot of people don't get that because a lot of people just immediately turn to them. But Goblin is it, okay? That you know, it, this is Batman and Joker here. Um, so I feel like this film did a phenomenal job portraying those two in their fight and their 
rivalry that is so alive in the comics. That's how I feel. I feel like William Defoe fucking crushed it in this film. It's n- unbelievable how well he did. Oh yeah, no, William Defoe did fantastic in this role. Like, it's been years since that original Spider-Man where he first took on the mask of Goblin, but this movie easily. It's almost like he didn't miss a beat on it. He just picked it right back up and went, I'm going to go crazy with it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, like, William Defoe's facial expressions hit. I know. Like, when he's being punched in the face and, like, yes. he's punch, punch, and he just like, looks up at Peter and starts smiling, like, sadistically. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's phenomenal. I mean, me personally, William Defoe did fantastic. I can't remember his the actor's name, but the actor that is Doc Ock, he did fantastic. Alfred Molina. Yeah, Repraising his Doc Ock role. Because I was with Diaz. I was always a big Doc Ock was the best villain from the original trilogy. Um, And the others, I mean, they each had their moments, but I feel like none of them, besides maybe Jamie Foxx, got enough time. Well, when it came... This film had two great redemption arcs in it. One was Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man being brought back and actually, like, people actually looking at it going, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm digging this now. And then Jamie Foxx's Electro is like up there as best redemption arc, for sure. That I've seen in a long time because he finally he finally got to to show off, like show off in in a movie as Electro, and do a good job with it. Yeah, he got shafted in Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, the one thing about uh, Jamie Foxx playing uh, Max Dillon in this film is that he really got to he really got to put. Jamie Foxx more into the role, yeah. you know, which I feel like is important for all actors uh, in any sort of context is to be able to like put your own kind of twist into it where it's like, you're, you know, your personality kind of shines out of it as well, which is, you know, what we've seen out of some, some of the greatest villain betrayals out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's one upside to this redemption story for Jamie Foxx and his electro, uh, which I, I got to say, like the one thing that I absolutely just adore about this film is like how from beginning to end, this film is like just a massive love letter to Spider-Man fans. And like mm-hmm. the, especially if you're a fan of the movies, cause like when it comes to electro, he starts off as blue. He starts off as the blue electro that we know from amazing Spider-Man two. And then, you know, once the shit kind of like, exp- and even yeah. when after the first time we saw, you even mentioned how they even incorporate some of the music used for him and yep. yeah. the ultimate Spider-Man. I love that. <laughs> that EDM ass music to start off with. And I mean, it was very well done. We got hints for all of them, their cameos from the, or the reprisals from their first films. But I mean, it was a redemption for Jamie because even like Jamie's first set of lines made me like his character's electro of just him. We got to pretend I'm not butt ass naked right here. <laughs> <laughs> and Sandman's like, I am. <laughs> When it comes to the villains and a negative knock that I have, my negative knock is towards Lizard and Sandman. Yes. Because, I mean, I'm not going to fault them terribly because I'm, assu- I'm assuming there was some reason it just didn't work out. But neither of the, the previous actors actually reprised their role. Uh, that is not their voices. Uh, that no. is that is different people voicing the characters. Uh, and those shots that you see at the end, those are straight up from the movies that they're from. In fact, Marvel even confirmed that. Because when I watched them, I was dead ass determined in theater for the first time. Like when they did when they showed uh, Sandman with Hayden uh, Hayden Church, mm-hmm. I'm like. I'm pretty goddamn sure that's still just the same scene from Spider-Man 3. And then when they uh, did the uh, the lizard with Reyes Afon, I think's his name, and he came back to normal, I said the same thing. I'm like, I think that's from Amazing Spider-Man 1. Sure shit it is. It, it's like unused footage from the from those movies. So that that is a knock. And, but, you know, at the same time, it's just like I, there might be a reason why they couldn't get the other actors. <clears throat> like they were busy doing something else. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, that that was a knock to me. But yeah, you know, but everything else kind of redeemed it. Now, when it comes to our villains, one thing that I was, I mean, I get it. You have an, a loaded fucking film. You have a, you know, a film in a certain amount of time that you really got to go through a lot of different points. But one thing that was kind of disappointing is I feel like we didn't get enough Doc Ock in my mind. Because I mean, like yeah. you got the bridge stuff. You got, you know, some interactions down in the, uh, you know, the wizard's dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once he got blown out of the apartment building, he's absent until, like, literally the right at the end of the fight. Next, Maki knows it. Yeah. So that that okay. was a little bit of a knock, especially with how much. I mean, that was, like, the first villain, like, shown. Yeah, he was the first revealed. Yeah, he was the in shot of a trailer. So that was kind of a knock for me. But yeah. I mean, yeah, but like you said, I mean, this was, this was 
kind of created I mean yeah there's a lot of these uh, villains they brought back but at the end of the day this was mostly a Green Goblin film yep. is is what it was set up as and Doc Ock ten, kind of kind of took on the role of kind of explaining what's going on mm-hmm. or used as the tool to explain what's going on yeah. and, and who these people are it is kind of where that that came from so i i didn't have i didn't think he was going to be like doing a whole lot of or like be the main focus of it from the trailer cuz once once they kind of showed him in the trailer like talking giving his name out to uh uh like peter and them like in the in the dungeon i was going to like okay so he's he's not going to be the main focus here so I wasn't expecting him to do a whole lot throughout the movie. I mean, yeah, and I mean, with this being mostly a goblin film, it was actually a very nice way they did it because on all the other, in most other uh, Spider-Man stories, the traditional first villain he fights is goblin. Mm-hmm. So it was a very nice way in how they managed to incorporate a goblin uh, in this Spider-Man universe without actually having to backtrack to when he first got his abilities and stuff. So it was a very nice way how they tied it together and actually did this. To hit all those sort of uh, opening, becoming Spider-Man moments that most people are at least somewhat aware of nowadays. Right, right. Um, You know, still when it comes to, like, progressing the plot, you know, obviously one big plot point is, you know, Zach already kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, he's trying to save the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, which, you know, I, I know a few people were kind of iffy about that, that approach, but I feel like that's, I feel like, I feel like that's true to Peter Parker, true to Spider-Man, you know, because Spider-Man doesn't kill. That's always been a policy in like all the, in all the comics. Yeah. That was one of his rules. Uh, and I feel like that it still applies here where he, you know, he just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to kill and he wants to try to help these guys, even though they're from, you know, universes that's not his, even though there's one side of him that just wants to kind of move on with it and move on with his life. You know, you know, Aunt May kind of reels him back in. She's like, this is what we do. Um, when it comes to Aunt May's death, how well do you think that got, how do you, how do you, how do you guys think that was done? Like how well do you think it was done? Cause I thought it was done overall very well. I feel like that entire sequence at the apartment, once his spidey sense kicked off and the goblin came back in, you know, um, I thought everything about that was incredible because uh, I really do feel like, like I already said, that this film really delivers that Spider-Man Goblin rivalry and that fight throughout the apartment building up to Aunt May's death was absolutely a phenomenal sequence of events. How do you guys think that the death was handled? I think it was done very well. Um, it was definitely um, more impactful than I feel than any time I've ever seen the Uncle Ben rendition, whether it be in comics TV shows, movies, whatever. So I feel like they did it in very way, uh, very well, and hit me more than some of the Uncle Ben ones I've seen with Aunt May. I, I can agree. And to just that. and really cementing her character and all this of just even when she was bleeding out like that, she focused on Peter first and mm. then the others. Yeah, I agree that it it was much more impactful, which I think. That's partly due to the fact that this is movie three when we're getting the like parental figure death as opposed to like halfway through the first movie or like in the first quarter of the mm-hmm. the first movie. So we've we've spent the time with the character and then now we're seeing them now we're seeing them like dying in front of us and we're like, Okay, now I can I can understand a little more of the pain that he's going through. And that's a big thing because uh, they've they commented about that uh, when Homecoming was coming out is that when they came to Homecoming they didn't want to rehash the same shit that's already been rehashed twice. Yeah. So that was one thing I've always appreciated about this trilogy is that we're not just doing the same thing of where the first film starts with Uncle Ben dying in the first like thirty minutes of the film. So that that's actually a great way to put it uh, with what John said that we've had these films to grow attached to the character and it, it was you know at this point when we finally had the loss of that parental figure plus the the famous line from Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. Um you know, once that line was delivered and you know just that really just like the the best way I can describe it is like the world really collapsing on you uh is basically what was happening with Peter. You know, he he just lost his aunt 
but he can't sit there and actually mourn because the police are coming in. He just got shot in the arm as well in the in that same sequence, and it's just like that moment. We, you know, with you know, especially with the score, how it's all being portrayed, it, it really does feel like his entire world just collapsed on him. Like there's, like, almost like there is literally nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also what uh, MJ also said later when you know the other Spider Man come into the picture, where she's just like, you know, we're kind of all you know that he has left. He doesn't have anyone left. Um, with that though, the introduction to both the uh, the Spider Man, the only thing. That I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, you got to progress the film. You got to do whatever. Um, but I thought the I thought the just the random inclusion of Ned being on open portals is kind of weird. But I mean, hey, you got to do it to progress the plot. So it is what it is. Everything else is good, so I can overlook that. I guess he has magic. Yeah, he's, he has magic, and I like how they just randomly kind of throw it in. It's like, yeah, apparently my nana used to say that we have like magic. You know, sometimes my hands tingle, and Doctor Strange is like, "Go talk to your doctor." <laughs> 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 I thought that was funny, but uh, no, the introduction of the two Spider Man was great, uh, especially Andrews. Uh, Andrews' introduction, it just, it really just delivered that that vibe of what he brings to the table as Spider-Man. Like it was like almost what you said about William Defoe. It's like, he didn't miss a beat. It was the yeah. same thing. The moment Andrew's on screen as Spider-Man, it's like, he didn't miss a beat right back to how he was, you know, where he shows his intelligence kind of calling out. It's like this, this, and this, he's like, knew it, you know? And then there's, you know, the jokes just like, I, I kind of don't carry an ID kind of defeats the nominous superhero thing. And it's just like, you know, stick to the ceiling and, you know, or, or whatever. It's like, prove it. Throws was the bread at him. That was funny. You know, he's sticking to the ceiling. She's like, crawl around he's like crawl around no this is plenty <laughs> like, it, it really did deliver like his his feeling as as spider-man like he didn't miss a beat john you already mentioned that you're a big supporter of his portrayal did you kind of feel the same way towards that Cause I, I know you already also said that this made you like his portrayal more or zach you said that one of the two yeah. i apologize but john you know you said you know that you were a massive supporter of his portrayal did you kind of feel the same way that it's like he literally didn't miss a beat the moment he jumps on screen Oh well, yeah, it's like as soon as he, as soon as he kind of like comes through the portal and shows up, it's like, okay, well yeah, this is this is exact. It's just him, a little older was all it felt like. Like it, if it, it was like, it, almost like he never stopped playing the role in a sense, right? Because he was just there, and it was like, okay, yeah, this is this is what I was missing right here. And then Toby arrives as well. Um, and which I feel like Toby had a bit of a more interesting play with this just because it's been so long since he's done Spider-Man that yep. I almost felt like he almost had a free slate to redo Spider-Man how he sort of wanted just because ideally in the sense of this film, it's been probably the same amount of time since we've actually seen films. He's been doing Spider-Man. He's been beaten, done all these different things, and he's sort of just like, I'm still doing it. <laughs> right. You know, getting that getting that quick moment between Toby and Andrew as well where they flip through there and shoot webs at each other was also pretty cool. Um, but, you know, with this, I, I'm a... You know, they, they both said that they just kind of arrived there. You know, Toby, you know, his version of Peter said that he just feels like, you know, Tom's version just really needs his help and stuff. So, you know, I, I guess both Andrew and Toby's Peters were there when everyone else got there too, I, I, that's sort of what it got. Yeah, even the freaking in uh, cameo scene of Venom, he's just been chilling in a bar the whole time. Which I love that. <laughs> love that. People got so hyped for <laughs> Venom to be one of, to play a big role, and then just chilling at a bar. Yep. <laughs> well, once once we had the the two other Spider Men on screen, and they're kind of you know set to try to find Peter, which is like, you know, where's a, is there a spot that he would go to? And they both make that joke. It's like, oh, top of the Empire State, top of this. It's like, oh yeah, better view. It's like, that was a cool little moment. But the moment that follows that where you have the three Spider-Man on screen at the same time, in my opinion, is just such an unbelievably iconic moment in, in, in superhero films. Like I genuinely believe that because when it comes to like, let's say like in game where you have that amazing shot of every hero that's pretty much appeared in a bunch of other random characters shout out to Howard the duck in that scene. Uh, that was like, that was a moment that you kind of expected the moment that Avengers became a thing. Yeah. 
But this is something that it was always kind of a pipe dream to get the other two actors back into this, to do this multiverse. I mean, it, it was. It, this has always been a pipe dream. You know, uh, so for that moment, to, for this to actually happen and to have that unbelievably iconic moment of the three of them meeting, the score that goes with it as well, just the, the build-up for it of where you just see their silhouettes on top of a building, everything about it was done so unbelievably well. I mean, I agree with you. The meetup was very iconic. I mean, it slightly reminds me of, like, the first Avengers when we had that sort of panorama scene when all five of them have joined up to fight off the army that's attacking. Like, that's a very iconic scene Mm -hmm. for because that's the first team-up film where you're just like, we have some sort of cinemaverse. Yes, yes. Uh, When it comes to this meeting as well, just everything about it was done so well because, like, you know, when it comes to it, like I, one thing that I really enjoyed the most is, you know, because it goes back to what John was saying about the redemption stories is like when it comes to this meetup, Andrew was put on the stage and that was, he was put on the stage here. You know, it mm-hmm. was a heavy focus on Andrew and his character where, you know, they both kind of, you know, talk about loss. Yes. Um, but, you know, Andrew starts talking about how he lost Gwen, his MJ. Yeah. And after that, he stopped pulling his punches, which that's a horrifying thing to think about. Spider-Man could punch your fucking jaw off if he really yeah. wanted to. You know, he stopped pulling his punches. And, you know, he, he tried to go back to, you know, being the, the Spider-Man that she wanted him to be. But he just couldn't. And he didn't want Tom to become that. Like, Andrew was at the forefront of that scene. And I absolutely love that because of the story that Andrew's version of Peter went through. And I thought it was done so well and put on and put on the stage on that moment. Yeah, I still fault the director and screenwriters for that one. I'm still going to defend this movie. Just wait. I mean, that's fine for that. It's just they fucking killed him. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's accurate to the comics and I actually give them mad props to how somewhat close of accurate it is. I I will give them props on that. Um, But, you know, when it comes to this scene, it's like, it's a great, it's a great moment because it's like them two, you know, really trying to, you know, bring him back in, um, where it's just like, you know, it's like the, I can still hear words in my head. It's like her, the last thing she told me is with great power. And then Toby cuts him off with great responsibility. How do you know that? And it's just, Andrew says, uncle Ben said it. Toby said, you know, the day that he died, you know, so it, it's really bringing him back in, but there's still that one side of him where he's like still kind of hesitant and he's still like on the dark side essentially. Cause it's even shown again when they're, when they're doing some science stuff, which also, I love that scene by the way, because of you don't see Peter, a unbelievably intelligent character who loves science, do a lot of science in these no. films. So I love that entire scene. Cause you actually get to see Peter be Peter. And I think that's cool. Uh, but in that moment as well, you know, where Toby again reaffirms to, you know, Tom is just like, got to cure them all. Right. And Tom's kind of hesitant. He's just like, got to cure them all. You know? So I, you know, I feel like that was a nice little, you know, build up for the character. Um, there's also one other scene, uh, before all of this that I also want to touch on as well. Um, is the, the scene where right after May dies and he's looking at the big screen of J Jonah Jameson and it's raining, whatever. Yeah. And I feel like that is such an unbelievable moment for the character because I, f- I, that is like one of the first true moments that this character really felt the weight of being Spider-Man, in my opinion. Because he lost someone, that, and it was a kind of his fault. Well, yeah, he lost Tony, who he looked up to, and that was like his mentor. Like, that wasn't his fault. Tony sacrificed himself. Yeah. Like, the, you know, throughout these films, Tom hasn't experienced much loss outside of Tony. And again, that wasn't his fault. Like, when it comes to... You know, like, let's say the Amazing Spider-Man films, you know, Captain Stacy kind of died on Peter's watch. Essentially, you know, Peter, you know, Gwen died. He couldn't save Gwen. You know, he experienced that loss and Toby experienced loss as well with the loss of his best friend, Ben in the mm-hmm. first movie, etc. Uh, with this, with these movies, Tom hasn't experienced that loss. I feel like that that moment of where it's just raining, it's kind of slow motion and he's looking at the screen and, you know, J. Jonah Jameson saying Spider-Man's a menace everywhere he goes will bring destruction. It is like the first real moment for me where it's like Tom fully processes what it means to be Spider-Man, which I fully believe that's what the scene is delivering because of what how we see the ending plays out uh, when he goes back to the coffee shop where he realizes what it really means to be Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that is a scene that I thought was unbelievably well done, in my opinion. Um, 
Anyway, back to the science stuff, though, because the science stuff was great, and I love that we actually got that moment of the three Spider-Man pointing at each other. We got that not once but twice in the film, so I'm really glad they included that meme. That was one thing that I was looking for in this film, if they were going to include the pointing meme. Um, One of my favorite things, like, during the science stuff sequence was, uh, like, Tom and Andrew's Spider-Man start talking about, like, developing their web fluid. Oh, yes. Toby Spider-Man is just like, Web what fluid? Do you, what do you mean web fluid? And then he just shoots it out. They're like, wait, that just comes out of you? Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> that was one of, one of my favorite little moments throughout the film. I, I agree, because it was like, you know, Tom was just like, Did that, that just came out of you. And Andrew just like, I love how Andrew just kind of like leans in and whispers. He's like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> that that was one of the best moments in the film, one of the best small moments for sure. I mean, once the three of them were on the screen, they had a lot of good moments, like even towards the end of that of just when they're getting packing up, getting ready to go, and Andrew just looks at uh, Toby and goes, so you're going to go as the cool guidance counselor? <laughs> and he just shows off his shirt. I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a funny little moment as well. I also love the, the Ned and Toby scene as well. That was hilarious to me. It's yeah. like, so do you have a best friend? I did. He died in my arms after he tried to kill me. It was heartbreaking. And you just, you just, <laughs> just hear Andrew behind Yeah, and you just hear Andrew behind him. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that was so great. Cause the thing that made it was just he did it so deadpan. I know. That was that was the best fucking part, man. And just Ned's face. Yes. Which also then follows up where it's just like uh, I lo- that moment where it's just like, oh, you know, I can open a portal. I have magic. And Tom's like, what? And then MJ tags in and is like, oh, yeah, he can do that. And both the other Spider-Man's like, oh, yeah, for sure, he can do that. It's just like, it's like, Peter, I promise I won't become a supervillain and try to kill you. And you just see Andrew just like. Pat him on the shoulder. <laughs> like, good job, man. <laughs> uh, Zach, with what you were saying with, like, their on-screen chemistry, it really shines throughout, not, like, those scenes as well as when we get over to the Statue of Liberty because it's like we have that moment of peace where they're getting to talk and just chat, whatever. You know, it's the shout-out to the back. Oh, my back. That yeah. made it into the film. That was great. You know, back cracking. All right, let's do it. Uh, and then it's just like, so you make web fluid in your body. And Toby's like, I really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> it's just fascinating. He's like, are you teasing me? No, we, we just can't do that. So we're curious. Uh, I did enjoy that um, this film also made the other villains canon the ones that aren't in the film. Yeah. Uh, like, which apparently Rhino is actually in, in one of the early draft. He was actually supposed to be in the film. Oh, wow. Uh, a very, very early draft. The Mecha Rhino? Yeah, the Mecha oh, Rhino. God it was it. an early draft. Uh, but I did like how they made the other villains canon where Tom's like, so what are some of the weirdest villains you guys ever fought? And they make the jokes like, well, it seems you already kind of met them. Uh, and then Toby makes Venom canon where he's like, I fought like this weird black goo from space. And then, you know, that's when Tom's like, oh, I fought a guy from space, too, in space and on Earth. And then Andrew, Andrew's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, as, I'm lame compared to you guys. I fought a Russian guy in a rhinoceros outfit. <laughs> and Toby's still like, I'm still coming back to the fact that you fought an alien in space. <laughs> so just, those like, moments were great. Yeah, because one, one of the best moments of that exchange was, like, when Tom's like, yeah, I, I fought him an alien in space or on Earth and in space. And then it just cuts to Andrew and he goes, I want to fight an alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew just sort of having the depression of, dang, my villains sort of suck. It's like, damn, my <laughs> universe blows. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, just their whole interactions was great. And just the, um, even in the fight scene, the chemistry of, with them of just realizing, hey, we should probably work together. Oh, <laughs> uh, which that is one of the best moments in the film. It's like, you know, I want to brag, but I will. I was in the Avengers. Oh, that's great. What's the Avengers? It's like, what, you, you don't have the Avengers? Are you in a band? Is, is that a band? <laughs> that was one of the best moments in the film. I'm glad that I'm glad that reference got included. That they don't have that in their universe. Uh but you know that that you know that was again that was a really good moment, and I feel like throughout the fight as well, um, th- just the general everything about it, like you know everyone kind of really got their moment, uh, mm-hmm. where everyone's like their version of Peter really shined, like you know starting off with um, you know like let's say Andrew when he jumped when he jumps out and he's just like hey Max missed you man and he just like whips away just like little stuff like that you know same thing with the lizard where he's just like literally being choked he's like hey Doctor Connors <laughs> it's like wait your turn Doc I'll be right back like just everything about it like throughout. Uh, 
uh, for Toby and Andrew and even Tom, like like all of their versions really shined mm-hmm. throughout this entire fight, which I thought, which I really liked and really appreciated. Um, you know, which you know then brings us to all the fucking shit breaking loose with uh, the multiverse stuff. Which in theater, did you guys notice like a lot of the villains that were like coming through? So I noticed a few, but I wasn't paying too hard attention. I've tried to pay attention to that every time I've gone back. It's very tough. I've seen Rhino, I've seen Craven, I've seen Scorpion, I've seen Black Cat. Those are the those are the four that I've seen in in the sky, whatever. Um, but what? How, how, all right. So, what did you guys think of the ultimate climax here, Goblin, Goblin, and, and uh, Tom? What did you guys think of this? Because I thought it was unbelievable. Oh, it was exceptionally well done with the whole sh- final showdown on that little piece in um, Toby having to interpose himself in just because it was sort of going to a darker Spidey. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Of, of course, I'm, I I really liked, like, Tom's Spider-Man, hit, like, breaking as soon as he sees him and and just going out for blood, essentially. And Not then, pulling his punches. Yeah, it's like him just going, and he's like, "This no, this is this is ending now." I I really enjoy that because you get, I mean, his his version of Spider Man is has always been kind of like, for the most part, the happy Spider Man. Yeah, like he's always happy. He's always trying to trying to be up that way. So getting to getting to see his breaking point, uh, made it that much better. And just William Defoe being Defoe, just how you mentioned earlier, just after every hit, him just coming back with that ridiculous smile that William Defoe can do. Yeah, and the one thing about it as well, like with William Defoe's like portrayal in this, is just like Goblin's Goblin's desire to have Spider Man break because yeah. whenever you know, uh, you know, whenever you know, Goblin says like, you know, you had the chance to kill me and you didn't, whatever, you had the chance to end this, and that's when Tom's like, I want to kill you myself, and Goblin's like, that a boy, like he wants, he wants him to hit that breaking point, which I, I thought was f- great for this scene, and when it comes to everything about this sequence, one of the best decisions that I feel like was made for this entire film was when Toby stopped him, there was no exchange of words. Yeah. I feel like that is legitimately one of the best decisions that was made in this film, is that Toby didn't have to say a word. They just looked at each other while he's holding back the glider. I thought that was an unbelievably smart decision for how they were how they handled that moment to kind of bring them down. And then Toby gets stabbed. Yep. <laughs> Toby gets stabbed by the goblin. Yep. Dick. <laughs> Once again. Which... <laughs> Which what when Toby stands up later, it's like Andrew's kind of carried him along. He's like, he's like, he's like, are you you gonna be okay, man? And it's not the first time I've been stabbed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not the first time I've been stabbed. I liked it when he was laying down as well. After you know they cured everyone, everything was good, and Toby's just like, is that happening or am I dying? And then Andrew's like, oh no, that's definitely happening. <laughs> Talking about this, it's a guy just completely splitting apart. Uh, and with the stabbing as well, like once we, like the three Spider-Man have like their their goodbye moment, whatever they hug it out and they go to leave. I like that little inclusion of where they, like Toby and Andrew just standing there, and, they're, and Andrew's like, "You're in a lot of pain, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and Toby's like, oh yes, immensely. <laughs> uh, so one thing that we have gotten to, one thing that we've gotten a chance to see on a couple of different occasions throughout the, uh, Tom Holland's betrayals, we've gotten to see. Those few moments, it hasn't been many, but those few moments of where Tom makes a very mature decision, kind of like the end of Homecoming, where he turns down being an Avenger and he Mm -hmm. decides to be a regular, you know, hero for a little bit. And that was one of these cases because it goes back to the scene that I referenced with the rain, where he really fully got to feel what it meant for him to be Spider-Man, you know, because this whole time he's always like, you know, with even with the spell that got fucked up. Oh, this person really needs to know. This person really needs to know. This person needs to know, et cetera, et cetera. This is like after that death, that's when he realized and up until this moment as well, like maybe people don't need to know. And he makes the decision to basically wipe everyone's minds of who Peter Parker is as if he never existed, which is a very, it, the character arc for Tom Holland's Peter throughout all the films has been a fascinating one to follow, but I feel like his character arc in just this one fucking film alone is very, very un, un, is in, insane oh, to is. follow. Just because of several of those points you mentioned, just he's finally getting sort of those backlashes of being a superhero yep, and things like that. And just not because, again, his mentor was Tony, who was very open about who he was. Yes. 
And so that was his sort of mentor of, well, what's it matter if people know who I am? But now that sort of Tony's gone and it's just him and now him seeing what it's like when you're not a billionaire really affecting him. I agree. I agree. Uh, which, you know, does lead us to um, his final decision. Again, you know, he already made one mature decision to wipe out Peter Parker from everyone's mind, but then he made the follow-up to let Ned and MJ go. You know, he was kind of building himself up to try to tell them the truth going into the coffee shop. And then once, you know, what, you know, once he sees like, Hey, they got an MIT, she's really excited for MIT. She openly says she's not really didn't get excited for things. Most of the time he sees the bandaid from when she got cut, all of that just led him to like, maybe it's better off this way where I should not bring them back into my life, which I feel like is going to be a very fascinating story for Peter going into the fourth movie or, you know, go ahead and I'll go ahead and assume a trilogy because this version of Peter is very much alone. Mm-hmm. You know, no one knows who he is. He's living in a crummy little apartment, which also some weird questions about how he would have got the apartment to begin with. If he has assuming there's a lot of loopholes that people wanted to point out where it's just like, does that mean that he has no driver's license? That mean he no sense. social security? Like, you know, you know, does he have a job? How, how can he get an apartment? Yeah, just pretty much what it got because all that data about him disappeared. So you would assume all his yeah. legal files have also disappeared in some form or fashion. A lot of people wanted to point that out, but one little inclusion that they did add, I caught it my second time watching that I thought was a nice little touch that ties into that is that he is uh, assuming a high school dropout because if you see in his book in all of his boxes, he's actually got a GED test book. I did of, notice that. Yeah, when I saw so it. I thought that was a nice little touch that adds into what we're saying right now about like, okay, well, what about a job? So you know, whatever. So I thought that was a nice little touch that he's assuming to be a high school dropout. I'm assuming, um, but I mean, going into these next movies, it's going to be very fascinating to see his character arc. Because not to mention, like was already mentioned, uh, one of you guys mentioned earlier, with Venom was in the post credits, didn't do anything. He was at a bar the whole time, and a little piece of the symbiote got left behind. Yep. So that's obviously setting up for this version of Tom getting you know the symbiote assuming here um and turning into that darker path peter which i feel like fits the character immensely with where he's going to be right now and yeah that would be definitely interesting to see if they end up actually doing something with that piece of symbiote that got left behind at the end credit scene um i'm not getting my hopes up now but we'll see yeah i assume they'll do something with it but at this point, it, there's there's no telling really who they're going to decide to attach that to. That's true. That's true. Uh, one character that I would also expect to probably be introduced in the fourth film is I feel like with where Peter is now as Spider-Man, as his own character, as Peter, I feel like this is probably the perfect time to bring in Felicia Hardy as Black Cat. That's what I was thinking, too. I feel like this is a good time to bring that character in. I feel like if yeah, if they're going to start another trilogy or even just a four film, this would be a perfect time for Black Cat to be introduced because she's always been a phenomenal character in the Spider-Man series, comics in general, especially just in her first issue appearing. Mm-hmm. So sort of having that villainous, weird romance thing would very much hint it. Be very good m- dynamic for these films going forward. With Spider Man, by the way, because like when that first was kind of brought into the fold between them, it was the romance was with Spider Man. It wasn't with Peter. Yeah. It was with Spider Man. So that's going to be the interesting aspect of things because I feel like, like I said, this is a good time to do it. Um, did you guys? I know it was very quick, but did you guys uh, get like a, a decent look at the new suit and have any real thoughts on it? Because I feel like it's probably like the most comic accurate suit we've ever gotten. I know it was quick, and it was yeah, they, they, they purposely made it difficult to see. I didn't get a real good look at it. I got yeah, you. I, didn't, I saw that it was a new one, didn't really look at it too much. I I do question, does that mean that he just doesn't have his old suit? Did he, his tech? Yeah, did he just store it away, you know, and wanted to just kind of, you know, be on his own. He doesn't want to borrow like the Stark tech anymore. And he just got, he goes back to a basic ass suit. Like I am wondering, like, does he still have the other suit? I mean, you know? I would assume he would. I mean, uh, the only other thing I can think of is because, which they may address it is either one, he was thinking ahead and th- thinks if he's showing up in pictures and stuff, somebody might recognize that it's Stark tech. Fair. Or two, because everyone's forgotten Peter Parker, his identification has been wiped from the system, so he can no longer use the suit. 
that's okay. Now that's actually a very fair point. That's actually a very fair point and something that may, that may be a factor here. <laughs> uh, overall, uh, final thoughts on the film. Uh, just in general, how, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, it was a very good film. Uh, we didn't really touch on it, but I feel like even um, Doctor Strange sort of moment at the Statue of Liberty oh, was yeah. also very n- nice of just him sort of seeing that change in Peter and him just sort of having that moment as he sort of wants to continue seeing how where Peter goes with this, but he's just like, Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. That was one thing I really appreciated about this film with Doctor Strange is that he 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 did really want to help Peter. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, he, he and he even addressed it. He's just like, you know, we've saved the world and everything. I forget that you're just a kid. You know, so I, I feel like that is uh that was a nice dynamic for this film. I really do. John, yeah. any thoughts? Overall, I mean I it's a good film. I enjoyed it. Uh It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, but I mean, yeah, overall, like I said, or like we mentioned earlier, probably the best Spider-Man movie we've gotten. Besides Felicia Hardy and as Black Cat, what do you think would possibly be our fourth Rogue Gallery added? Uh, I think Craven would be in there. See. I was thinking, seeing as I haven't watched the Hawkeye stuff, maybe Kingpin or maybe Scorpion. Well, they already they already have they already have Scorpion. He was introduced in Homecoming, but they didn't do anything. They haven't done anything with the character yet. Yeah. Um. So I definitely think that's a possibility. I I just think Craven will probably be the leading candidate because so before all of the multiverse stuff started leaking out, and there's a lot of rumors about it. Before that, there was a heavy amount of rumors. That the spot this the villain was going to be a Craven focused film, uh, a lot of rumors about that, and then we saw the rumors shift to oh it's going to be a multiverse, it's going to have the other Spider Man other villains. I mean this was a year like two years worth of rumors that I'm talking about yeah. here, uh, and what f- confirms all of that to me is that in an interview I think like right after No Way Home released. Tom actually did flat out address and confirm that the first script they had was a Craven film. Uh, that that is that is a fact. You can look that up. He did confirm that in interview. Um, so that that is interesting to me that they already had because that that just tells me one thing: they had their plan. If the multiverse thing couldn't happen, if they couldn't get all everyone on board, yeah. that's what it came down to to me. Is that you know because there's obviously a lot of people you need to get on board for this. Yes. So you know that tells me that okay, if we can't do the multiverse thing, we have our backup plan. So I, I definitely think Craven is going to be is probably poised for four. I would like to see Scorpion. We haven't actually seen an on screen Scorpion, just like we haven't seen on screen Craven, which is something that uh, you know Homecoming and Far From Home tried to focus on was do villains that haven't been in the films yeah. yet. Um, so that, those are both ones that I would like to see. I would also like to see the MCU's attempt at a rhino as well. I would like to see that. That'd be cool. I mean, we had a mecha rhino. I mean, that wasn't much of a spotlight, though. It was into the film. I mean, he yeah. got decked with a friggin' manhole cover. I mean, he did, yes. Yeah, uh, rhino was kind of what I was thinking with that. Because I, 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 I'm like, you know, it would... The MCU's done a pretty good job of just, like, take their interpretation of the a lot of the characters... So it'd be it'd be fun to see whatever they did with that. I, w- I would also like to see an MCU's attempt at a um, at a Doctor Connors as well. Yeah. Which I feel like that is something we could potentially see because if we're going into this college version of Peter Parker, maybe this world's Doctor Connors could be possibly introduced, which is going to be very interesting because you know Tom's going to be like, I know what you become <laughs> because yeah. of the far from home. I mean. Yeah, that is pause because yeah, college Spidey is usually when he starts meeting all Doc Ock, Doc Connors, yeah, <laughs> all the all the doctors who have unfortunate <laughs> turnings. Yeah, the one thing that I think this film also did that helps us for the later is basically confirming that there is no Oscorp or Osborne in that yeah. in that universe. That was something they they did kind of confirm in this film when Norman was there as, you know, Norman Osborne, where he's just like, you know, Oscorp doesn't exist. Someone's living in my house, you know, like I, you know, to me, you know, so to me that confirms that, well, we're not going to get that, which fine. I, I, with how his patrol was, I don't want that. You know, I let's, let's put that to rest. I don't want another goblin in this, in this version of Peter Parker. Um, but you know, I think Craven would be the, uh, the best one. Uh, I think Scorpion would probably be the second just cause they have already touched on him. Rhino would be cool as well. Uh, after that, I'm not hundred percent sure. Have to think about it. 
I, I think Dr. Connors would be pretty cool, though. Uh, well, anyway, so how are we feeling good about it? We want to wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoy this episode. This is the longest one we've done yet. Um, what? Nothing. No. Okay. I thought you were trying to get my attention. Sorry. Nope. Uh, so I do know the next two episodes to come out for talking about movies and stuff. So I'm doing the Spider-Man movie tier list and I'm going to do an MCU tier list involving the TV shows as well. Cause the only MCU, anything that I have yet to see is Eternals. And that comes out on the 12th, uh, on Disney plus. Okay. So I will watch Eternals and I will rank the entire MCU. It is very, very challenging. The only thing that I know is I know is what's at the bottom. That is the only thing that I know. And I know what's going to be in the top five. I just don't know what the actual top five is. Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck is, in fact, the top five, yes. Respect. All right, well, hopefully, if you made it all to the end, we appreciate the hell out of that. Hopefully, you enjoyed yourself. Hopefully, you enjoyed the movie. Comment down below your thoughts. Uh, with that said, we're going to go now. Have fun. This is Talking About Movies and Stuff. See you. Bye.